I, I would prefer to circle back to the horny tweets after, mostly because I'm going to need to, like, look a couple up, okay, and that's okay. going to be, yeah. I didn't take the fish from the goddamn water. The fishermen of the British Isles who came to Newfoundland during the summer months was codfishing people. The problem of survival. Order, please. Order, please. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Indie Podcast. I'm uh, Independent Editor-in-Chief Drew Brown, and I'm here with my co-host Andy Bowman and producer Luke Quinton. We're about three weeks into January 2021, and there is a lot going on. Uh, Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are in the middle of a snap pandemic election that will decide who represents them in the House of Assembly and which party gets to break some bad news in the next budget speech. Uh, We'll be looking at some of the races to watch and making totally outlandish predictions. And we'll also be talking to Alicia Mori, the Independence Election 2021 reporter, about how the campaign has been going so far. First, Andy, what is going on in the world? Oh, man. Okay, so um, I'm going to do a rundown internationally, nationally, provincially. What is happening in the world of politics? God. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But if I was to sum it up, I would say a a lot is going on. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a really busy, like, new year. Okay, I guess we need to start with the Capitol riots on January 6th, sort of like soccer hooligans but worse um basically rioted trump got kicked off twitter um five folks died in these riots um mm. some of these are, were heart attacks uh and some of these were violent deaths yeah we saw a lot of people taking selfies in nancy pelosi's office um the QAnon shaman stormed capitol hill draped in furs and now in prison he's not eating because he only wants organic vegan prison food i i think they're making an accommodation for him actually oh they're I think. they're giving him vegan food? i i think so i mean i'll have to double check but yeah i mean i think which you know what i think th- i think that's fine i think if you you know have dietary <laughs> restrictions if you're in prison they should accommodate them i think that's totally reasonable i mean even if you are trying to commit treason Wait, yeah, um, but that's just i'm just <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a hug a thug liberal on this point i think so okay Agree to disagree. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. So I guess if we would describe that as the free fall of democracy a little bit in the States. Yeah, that's definitely, I would consider that a uh, firm authoritarian spasm on the part of the American Republic. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah it, you know, like there are people who disputed whether you call it just like a riot or an attempted coup or an insurrection yeah. or whatever. I think. Whatever it it turns out to be in the judgment of history, it was definitely uh, not a good sign um, of, you know, where the country's at uh, at this moment in time. I mean, you know, the... myself clapping at a Mitt Romney speech. That's confusing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it was sort of like, it was a nice point of contrast to the inauguration they had yesterday. Yes. Which everybody seemed to, you know, it was a lot more fun. It seemed like uh, less less, uh, horrified live tweeting, more like fun and vaguely horny live tweeting which was yeah. a thing yeah, it was a bit thirsty uh, yeah yep. it's gonna be a long four years online yep um but I, oh yeah special shout out to all the memes of bernie sanders yesterday <laughs> that was a uh, great 
moment. Getting a lot of mileage out of that guy. It's really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Internationally, outside of America, trade partnerships change in England because um, it's so hard to talk about Brexit. It's like such a hard thing to unpack. Uh, Brexit went into effect last year in January of 2020, but this year uh, in January, trade rules change. Um, and now England can fish only in a very small part of the sea. <laughs> and um, people can no longer live and work between the UK and the rest of uh, Europe. Yeah, it's also a lot harder to, you know, get goods and services imported in a timely fashion. So they're facing gravy and jelly shortages, um, yeah. all sorts of, yeah, it's real good. They're, I forget which paper it was, I think it may have been the Times. They ran this big piece about like, you know, like, yeah, you might miss your favorite foods like avocados and pizza, but have you considered jelly deals? You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, and Boris Johnson is still in charge over there, so... Good luck to you, England. Yeah. He recently made another tweet about how this is going to be like a really great year, which uh, does not bode well since the last time he tweeted, this is going to be a great year for Britain. It collapsed. So. His finger's not on the pulse. Well, <laughs> you know, best of luck to Bojo. <laughs> Nationally, um, Alberta continues to be um, a really terrible place to live. Jason Kenney um, today losing his mind over the Keystone Pipeline being canceled. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of fun to watch um, if you are um, a big liberal like myself um, <laughs> who thinks climate change is real. Um, uh, yeah. It's he, a bit like that. It's a bit like that scene in like Mad Men in the elevator between like that guy and Don Draper where, you know, like that. And you're like, I feel really bad for you. And then just Joe Biden's like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think about you at all. <laughs> Uh, yes. And um, Jason Kenney is calling on Trudeau now to impose trade sanctions on America, which is fun mm. that he thinks Canada has a symmetrical relationship. It does not. We yeah. can't just do that. I mean, it also says quite a bit about the Alberta government that their entire economic development plan was Donald Trump gets reelected and to throw a hissy fit now that he's not. So, I mean, best of luck to our um, Albertan comrades in this trying time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, O'Toole attempting to kick Sloan out of the Federal Conservative Party. Well, he he did kick Sloan out of the... Yeah, Sloan's out. Oh. Well, that's great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, yes, yes and no. It's great in that, like, Derek Sloan is terrible and represents all the sort of worst impulses of the far-right social conservative wing of the party. It's, I don't know, it's one of those questions where... I mean, it's good for parts of the party to kick him out, but it might also generate this sort of like backlash from this fairly large constituency that they need. They might get radicalized. We might get another Bernier type deal. Who knows? I'm not paying attention to federal politics really until like the federal election happens in like a month. Uh, yeah, it'll be good. Back to back elections. I love it. Provincially, it's election season here. <laughs> um, so... We are in a current minority government, and we'll just sort of, we're sitting and waiting to see what happens. So sort of a blue pill, red pill. Oh my God, are these the same pill situation? <laughs> um, election season kicked off. Lots of self-congratulatory press releases from the liberals that didn't really mean anything. And uh, everyone is misusing the word misinformation, <laughs> and the NDP is having an infight. So that's new. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. Excellent. That is a wonderful summary. That's a roundup. <laughs> perfect. We will absolutely circle back to uh, more bullshitting about the provincial election. But in the meantime, um, before we get to the outlandish speculation portion of this program, um, we're going to talk to our actual election reporter about how the campaign has been going so far. Yeah. 
So I'm here with uh, the Independence uh, Election 2021 reporter, um, Alicia Mori. Um, we're nearing about the end of the first full week of the campaign since it started at 6 p.m. last Friday, which is a fantastic time to deliver some big news. So we're nearing the uh, end of the first week of the campaign, so I thought this would be a great time to check in and see how things have been going. Um, how how's, uh, how's the campaign going? Hey, um... Thanks for having me. What's on the go? Uh, so the conservatives announced a full slate of 40 candidates on Sunday and the liberals filled their slate this morning when they announced uh, the last candidate in Bonavista. Oh, OK. Christine That's Gill. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Just saw that recently. Nice. Yeah. And the NDP are now running candidates in 28 districts. Last I saw, they added a few more. So nominations close on January 23rd right. at around 2 p.m. So we should have the final slate in the coming days cool um i mean the NDP, i think have promised that they're going to try and get the full slate i'm curious to see if they'll be able to do it uh i imagine maybe they're doing slightly more candidate vetting in the next couple days to avoid some unpleasantness but we'll see how that goes yeah exactly there was the situation in Cornerbrook where graham downey sutton uh stepped down uh citing family issues but also um mm. some leadership concerns so that's yes, something yeah. that's happened because it, it's a bit of a strange story. Um, I don't know if you can uh, tell us a bit about um, how this is playing out so far. Yeah, absolutely. So from what I've seen on Twitter, he has um, been concerned about um, Alison Coffin's leadership in being not completely unequivocal about the PET scanner situation in Cornerbrook. Right. Um, so the Liberals announced that that would be funded. That was an old promise that they've reannounced mm -hmm. during this election. Um, and as a resident of Cornerbrook, that's an issue he right. felt strongly about is my yeah. understanding so yes. um yeah that's what's on the go there i believe yeah there's yeah so the the the, the pet scanner is kind of the big um the big thing and then uh, he stepped down at the start of the election for family reasons apparently and then this week a very long video appeared on facebook live detailing um issues that he's got with the ndp's uh, imported campaign director matt Wynott of nova scotia and um various issues with allison coffin's leadership which you know uh fair enough i mean <laughs> this is generally the sort of thing you i mean uh, oh my god anyway we'll we can get into the specifics of the situation later but it's uh you know it's uh not the ideal thing you want to have happen in the first week of a campaign for sure um mutinies are never good but definitely not this way um <laughs> Yeah, so so what what exactly is the pet scanner uh, situation in Cornerbrook? Because that's kind of turning into a really major campaign issue now. Yeah, absolutely. So a pet scanner, from my understanding, is um, a piece of medical equipment used for to run certain tests. It's very right. expensive, around forty million dollars, and there is one in uh, St. John's at mm -hmm. the moment. Yes, uh, and. Um, it's been stated that the one that exists ha isn't used to capacity, but this mm -hmm. kind of represents an issue of Newfoundland and Labrador of the dispersion of resources. Yeah. You know, so I think it will become a bit of an election flashpoint, and it already has so far. Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting because I think um, there are a number of provinces with a larger population than we do that only have one PET scanner. Um, I think most interesting is that even, you know, John Hagee, health minister, sort of came out previously and said, well, we don't really need another one. But I guess uh, partisan considerations have overruled that. So now we're hearing a lot about how the government is putting money in a special trust to make sure that this happens. 
um, which is an an interesting move in that parties make lots of campaign provinces, but this is the first time I think I've seen the government say, we're going to put this in the trust to make sure that it happens regardless of politics, which kind of makes you wonder, okay, so what about all the other promises of funding for things? So why aren't they in trust? Why is this? Anyway, it's uh, it's a novel uh, campaign development, and I'm uh, interested to see how it shakes out. It was sort of a controversial thing that was promised back, I guess, by Dwight Ball, who had a tendency to promise a number of things that did not actually appear or necessarily should have been promised in the first place. But uh, rather than uh, revisit or reevaluate that decision where the government's just doubling down. So, you know, it's election season, baby. I mean, the province is fucking broke. We're so like, broke. We shouldn't buy anything. No, like <laughs> literally, like we, like the, like we had to write the federal government in March being like, we have no money, please help us. And then again in December, like we can't pay for the Muskrat Falls interest stuff. Can you help us out again? This is like, it's really not good. And, yeah. but like nobody is acknowledging this and we're just pretending it's yeah. like a normal. Campaign. When I'm broke, I go to the library and I take out some DVDs and the province needs to do that. <laughs> it's DVD rentals yes, for a little while. <laughs> it's time to rent DVDs from the yeah. library, except for, you know, fiscal stuff. <laughs> Except from the Bank of Canada. It's not a perfect metaphor, but it kind of is. <laughs> this is the issue with the Green Report, basically. Like, we all know that this is the exact stuff that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. And we all know it's going to be, you know, some painful structural adjustments are going to be recommended by, you know, not the Premier. Um, but the problem is, like, it, it doesn't, it, it's still, like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, why are we having an election before this comes out? And we're all, like, pretending that it's, like, normal and everything is, like, this is a normal election with, like, you know, where you vote for parties to do certain things. But it's kind of like, you know, everything is running traditionally, but it's, like, this is a very non-traditional election because, like, a lot of these promises are going to be sort of, I think, stopped dead in their tracks by the Green Report, which will be telling us, like, what we can actually expect going forward. But, like, we're doing this exercise without knowing what's behind the curtain even though everyone's kind of standing in front of the curtain talking about like look at all the cool stuff that's going to be behind this curtain but like don't ask us about it please uh, it's great i'm uh trying try not to be negative you but know in, you know how in like water world like some people adapt and grow gills <laughs> um and then some people are like i'm so tired why are we even bothering um you're definitely not growing gills. <laughs> mm, yeah, no. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. That is not a relatable metaphor. Yeah, I've, I've, I would like more people to watch Waterworld. <laughs> it's, I think it's a way better movie than people give it credit for. <laughs> Obviously, none of the parties have released uh, official platforms yet. I'm not sure if that's something that is coming or not coming because the the issue of like what is going to happen after this election is kind of an election issue and something that the, none of the parties really seem super thrilled to talk about. But they have been making some interesting promises so far, um, sort of like on an ad hoc basis. I don't know if you can fill us in on what 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 has been offered to voters so far at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So this week, we've seen a number of press releases and announcements from leaders on, um, yeah, as you say, some ad hoc uh, announcements and promises. So um, the PCs have announced an initiative of a venture capital fund of $10 million to spur business on. That's one notable thing. And they've also made some other promises regarding payroll taxes Mm -hmm. and such um, to... 
create yeah. jobs. I so that's been our ma main focus so far. Um, the NDPs have focused in on dental care for seniors. Mm -hmm. um, that was announced earlier this week. And the Liberals have made a number of releases on health, promoting telehealth, um, focusing more on e-health. Mm -hmm. And yesterday they announced that they'll be providing pads and tampons to all schools in the province. So Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Liberals, I guess, are sort of really leaning on the um, medical authority that they've sort of got um, in spades right now between the doctor premier and the doctor healthcare minister. And then linking up with the... Uh, Chief Medical Officer of Health. We've got kind of a, a triumvirate of doctors running the province right now. Um, which, yeah, so I mean, it's it's interesting to see. They're making some pretty interesting announcements on that front. Um, but it would be nice to to sort of piece it together as part of a holistic plan, I suppose. Um, yeah. Um, and as we were coming into the studio, I got a press release from the Conservatives saying they were going to work to end liberal corruption, which is... Uh, Sure, that sounds great. Um, sounds like a really fun uh, <laughs> track to start taking this election down. Um, I'm excited. So the other thing before we move on, we started, we're hoping to sort of like dive into a few sort of specific districts. Um, I know that we sort of started with Mount Sio. Um, you've had conversations with all the candidates at this point, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. you, yeah, it's, the full article, I guess, should be appearing in the next few days. But uh, yeah, can you give us a sense about um, what the candidates have been talking about? Yeah, for sure. So um, yeah, I've gotten to talk to all four of the candidates in the Mount Sio district over the past couple of days. Mm -hmm. So Mount Sio is a pretty notable district because it's very diverse. It's got Memorial University, Health Sciences Center, and residential areas like Elizabeth Park mm -hmm. um, and an area in Paradise as well. Wow. So a lot of different issues in yeah. that district. So it's one to watch. Um, the incumbent is Sarah Studley of the Liberal Party, who uh, got in in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, she notably brought her baby into um, the House of Assembly. Yes. Um, uh, full, full disclosure, I guess, uh, Sarah Studley grew up not too far from me in Grand Falls, and she was also my RA in my first year of undergrad at uh, Curtis House at Memorial University. So uh, I'm not <laughs> I'm not in the pocket of Sarah Studley, but I do, you know, we have some, some history. Yeah, and um, we also have Sheila O'Leary uh, representing the NDP in that district. Mm -hmm. She's the deputy mayor of St. John's. Um, rounding out the candidate slate in that area. Yes. We have Andrea Newbury of the Newfoundland Alliance, which is a party that was formed in 2018 under the leadership of Graydon Pelly, who unfortunately had a health emergency earlier this week, and he has had to suspend his campaign. So, yeah, um, um, yeah Andrea seems to be kind of the de facto yeah, she's, outspoken person yeah, in this party. She's kind of become the uh, the uh, representative now for the alliance. Yeah, and the fourth candidate is Damien Follett, representing the PCs. He is a musician and, uh, yeah, first-time candidate. Cool. I'm at this, like, stage in my life where, like, I know too many people doing too many things because this province is really small, but uh, also, like, I had previously, um, Andrea Newbury was a good friend of a friend of mine, so I had... You know, we've hung out a few times way back in undergrad. Um, <laughs> she was not my area. No, she was not. I have no institutional relationship uh, with Andre Newbury. Um, it was strictly, uh, strictly friends. So, um, 
yeah, the yeah, as you say, the full article will be coming out in the coming days once I parse our discussions. But yes. um, yeah, it was great to hear their perspectives on issues like uh, supporting low-income residents as well as climate change. So you cool. can watch out for that in the yeah. coming days. Very exciting. Different perspectives and very different conversations. But awesome. Yeah. Very much looking forward to uh, hearing what everybody has to say about what they're going to do in that district. Very cool. Well, thank you for the update. Um, it's uh, I think things are off to a really good start. Um, really looking forward to the work we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks awesome. for having me. Oh, no problem. We'll do this a few more times before we're done, hopefully. Cool. Thanks. Thanks very much, Alicia. Now we come to the segment of the show where we do some sort of high-level uh, analysis, riffing, bullshitting, you know, just generally taking stock of the first week of this campaign, which mostly so far seems a bit like a phony war. But, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. Andy, what are you thinking? Okay, I think the NDP will take four seats. I think Andrew... Old. Yeah. I think Andrew Fury's Liberals will win, but won't get a majority. I mm. think they'll get 18 seats. I think the Conservatives will have 16 seats and Independent will have two. Mm. I think if we're going to go riding specific, not I'm not going to go through riding by riding, but I am going to say I think the NDP that Sheila O'Leary will win that, that and that is my bold claim. Mm. Uh, she'll win that riding. Um, and I think Amy will get in in the uh, Lake Melville district, right? which I think is going to be a fascinating race. Yeah, I think that's, I think of, there are a couple interesting districts in this election, but for me, that is probably the most fascinating is Lake Melville. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, I think Jim Din is going to get in again and I think Allison will get in. So like four for the NDP. Uh, I suspect everyone will release their platforms next week. Uh, and I think oil and gas going to be the main I think only one party will mention climate change in their platform. <laughs> Guess which party? <laughs> I think the NDP will have three public fights. We're at one. We've got one. I think we're looking at two more public fights, one per week. Mm. I think Chess Crosby will die before he says climate change. And <laughs> I think uh, we'll, have, we'll lose another reporter to the dark side. I think another, we'll lose another reporter to comms. Yeah, actually, I've got an announcement to make. It's going to be me. Uh, oh. I've already uh, arranged to become the director of communications for Premier Graydon Pelly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the heads up, everybody. Just kidding. I'm not going anywhere. I think I, I'm unhireable outside of this <laughs> job, actually. So. Been unhireable myself, so I understand. Um, what a... Um, what a interesting career move that would have been. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I mean, hey, it's not totally off the table. They might win yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I guess, um, yeah, those those are some, some interesting predictions. I definitely don't totally agree with <laughs> many of them. How many seats do you think the NDP will take? Uh, I mean, I think... I think three to four is a definite possibility if things go like exceptionally well and Jordan Brown manages to hang on in Lab West, which is definitely a possibility. Um, you know, he's been, he's like a walking encyclopedia of Labrador history and current affairs. He knows a lot of people and he's sort of, you know, it's a, there's a very strong like union presence in Lab West with the mines. How many um, liberals, liberal seats do you think we'll get? Uh, in terms of a specific okay. number, I'm not sure, but I, I, yeah, I, I, at this point in time, I do still expect they'll probably get the majority government that they're looking for, barring anything sort of really significant happening. Ooh. Um, I mean, 
it's hard to say because like I haven't really been particularly impressed with any of the campaigns yet so far. It's still everyone's still kind of finding their footing. Um, I mean, even the governing party seems to have like caught itself off guard a bit in this election um, that they called on themselves. Uh, you know, it hasn't been a super strong performance out of the gate. The premier's been flat-footed. You know, like the first day of the campaign, you got to put out a press release saying, you know, like I'm the premier, not Moya Green. Is yes. like obviously, oh, you know, things are clearly not. You know, you're you haven't quite commandeered the messaging um i i actually went back and reread uh doug lotto's book um run brian quote tobin's quest for a second campaign uh last weekend or second term super interesting really interesting to see like you know what happened last time we did a snap <laughs> winter election um interesting to see you know like how much things have changed like i think the there's a lot in the, the book sort of focuses a lot on like um, you know, how the political parties are sort of like working with media to, you know, like on the sort of like deadline time frame. The media is more obviously like a mediator between the party and the public. You know, like you need to time things around like the six o'clock news more so, I think, than you do now where social media is kind of like leveled a lot of that. And also like there are like three journalists now in the province versus, you know, like a fairly complex apparatus 22 years ago. Um, but yeah, one, one thing that stood out to me is that, uh, all the party, you know, even though it was a snap election, uh, all the parties had a platform pretty well ready to go like out the gate, which is not the case this time at all. Um, they're kind of seem like they're making it up as they go along, which sure, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's hard not to feel like, you know, the actual, like, professionalism and operation of the political apparatus in this province has deteriorated quite a bit in the last 20 years. Um, but to get back to this election, I guess, I think, I mean, I still think the, I think the liberals are in a reasonably good position um, in that, you know, the incumbents generally uh, have the cards and I don't think there's like a strong insurgent opposition operation yet here either. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I I can't see the Tory make the Tories making enough gains to sort of like upset the Liberals, but uh, who knows? It's it's the first week, and there's still a lot left to happen. What are your most interesting races to watch? Uh, definitely Lake Melville because I think, well, I yeah because so like Perry Trimper as incumbent or as an incumbent independent, I think is going to be you know like there's a definite chance he's going to split the Liberal vote. Um, which basically means that either Shannon Tobin for the PCs or Amy Norman for the NDP have a sort of shot of coming up the middle. Like Labrador is sort of like the biggest site of, I guess, like, I want to say maybe um, antagonism, like sort of like uh, difficulties with the present government. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, like who capitalizes on that. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's sort of what happened in Lab West and um the Torn Gap Mountains last time. Uh, I imagine it'll happen in both those places, like, again. And, uh, yeah, Lake Melville will be super interesting. Um, so, yeah, so I think La Labrador is definitely a place to watch. I think uh, here in the city, I think Mount Slyo is super interesting um, for a variety of reasons. I, I am less optimistic than you are, I guess, about Sheila O'Leary's um, odds. I think, you know, like, seeing Hope Jameson out campaigning with Sarah Studley is definitely... Uh, interesting it's an interesting development um 
yeah, I sort of think that she's definitely got the upper hand there. But again, who knows? We'll see where things happen. Uh, St. John's Center is, is it's interesting to me in that it's sort of like you've got three sort of like very progressive candidates running in the same district, right? Yeah. I think that's that's. I don't know if it'll be like super exciting. I mean, I think like Jim Jin will probably be fine because St. John's Center and Kitty Vitti are like fortresses. If the NDP kept them in 2019, they'll probably keep them now. But yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see like how issues play out in that district because the party's it's, picked great candidates. Yeah, for it's, that. it's yeah, yeah, super, very interesting, super cool. Um, we're definitely gonna send Alicia to talk to everybody there for sure. Those are those, those are the things I'm paying the closest attention to. I mean, well, we'll give you updates on this throughout the election uh, to see how our predictions are shaking up, shaking down. Yes, um, we should really start a betting pool. We should. I went. Although that might that might that might be like technically legal if we don't get a license from you know the gambling. Yeah, maybe we could just bet with something that isn't money. Oh like, yeah, that's um, true. Like shoveling out each other's driveways or something. <laughs> Ooh, I have a my driveway is like big enough for like three cars. So I'll absolutely take what that. What a bag. brag <laughs> to everyone who lives downtown. That was a slap in the face. Oh yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, on the one hand, I don't have a sidewalk and can't leave my house, and it's like sort of soul killing. But on the other hand, I can fit three cars <laughs> in my driveway, which is totally a thing that I'm into. <laughs> Just to give people a brief outline of what they expect uh, for election coverage from the podcast, we're hoping to interview um, leaders of the parties, two or yes. three. We've got Alison Coffin basically confirmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was told Chess Crosby was interested. I'm going to keep pursuing that. Um, Graydon, unfortunately, uh, probably unable to, to do much. Um, Graydon's, a, Graydon's a, he's a good guy. I interviewed him before the last election. I, I wish him well. Uh, and yeah, we're going to try and get the premier, especially if we can get, you know, the other two leaders, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not they say yes, we'll see. And there'll be more updates from Alicia, uh, yes. more analysis, more riffing, some streeters. Oh yes. The streeters <laughs> are going to be cool. It's going to be real fun. I haven't done this before. And, uh, and hopefully we'll get organized enough to do a live stream on election night. Oh yes. There will be some special election night coverage. I just have to get all that organized i'm gonna pick different outfits for how the night is going <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i'll have my i'll have an alliance outfit a liberal outfit and we'll, we'll change as things change <laughs> yes excellent yeah. good and just get fashion involved um tell your friends that this podcast exists yes please um and please uh donate and consider buying subscriptions to the independent so uh, we're entirely donation powered uh that's the only way we raise money no ads no any of that stuff i mean you know like we're we're obviously we're in a better position certainly than we were in the 2019 provincial election you know we've been able to actually like we have hired a campaign reporter which is that's new like the independent hasn't mm-hmm. really been in a position to hire people in a very long time <laughs> Um, so, you know, things are, things are on the up and, uh, you know, the more community support we get, the, the better, the more impressive things we can do. I think, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff to come this year. Um, it's a bit of a scramble because they threw a snap election at us when we were supposed to get a bunch of stuff ready, but that's okay. Uh, I'm having a blast in this campaign so far. It's really good. 
Um, we just published a, uh, a book review of Angela Carter's Fossilized from Luke Ashworth. It's uh, really good. It's a book about the sort of environmental and extraction policies um, in the different provinces of Canada that rely on oil and gas. So Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Newfoundland and Labrador. Luke, obviously, we focus most on what it means for here. Um, super interesting stuff. I uh, did not actually realize or think about before reading the article about how um, there's a very strong argument to be made that the boom in oil prices between 2004 and 2014 was tied to the invasion of Iraq and the market distortions surrounding oil production there, which like blew my mind a little bit, um, but also sort of seems like a situation... God willing, unlikely to be replicated anytime soon. Um, so that is something certainly to consider. I mean, it's you know we're we're not getting a real conversation about many things in this election from the political parties, but we're definitely not getting a real adult conversation about the future of oil and gas in this province. And I would be shocked if either of the liberal or PC parties actually do address that in a substantive way. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe Moya Green's talking about it. Maybe, you know, they'll have the real, you know, adult conversation and then we just have to live with whatever they decide for us rather than having a say ourselves, like, you know, democracy. But that's fine. Um, I appreciate that you didn't call her Dame. I do. Uh, I you know what? I have, like, r religious objections to using aristocratic titles. So, you know, yes, I, used, I, I, yeah, I used to go to some Quaker meetings, very rad people. And that's, you know, one thing that I kept with me is like, yeah, absolutely. No, it's you're just everybody is equal. Titles are bullshit. Except for Dame Edna. But everyone else, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Well, you know, uh, if we start making exceptions. <laughs> uh, we've got an excellent piece um, from Jess Puttister covering uh, this week's extremely short and painful painless uh, council meetings, so she spends a bit of time diving into the uh, St. John's Citizen Satisfaction Survey from 2020, which is super interesting. Uh, more and more people care more and more about, like, you know, sidewalk snow clearing and, like, transit and, like, things that are good for pedestrians, which is, like, a notable, you know, like, for, for a city like St. John's, which is so heavily focused on the car. Yeah, there's definitely, there may be an attitude change coming, which could be interesting heading into this next election. Yeah, and we, uh, as part of our election coverage here, we are very excited to speak to the person on the street. As they say, the voice of the people is the voice of God, so we may as well try to get that on our show. Um, <laughs> so if, you know, as a voter, if you have any uh, issues or concerns you would like to express about this election, um, you should definitely send a voice memo to electricocean21 at gmail.com. Um, which is where we're fielding these things, because if you send them to me, they will get lost in my nightmare inbox. That's our show for this week. This is our first election episode. We're going to be back next week. We're going to try and do a show every week, as long as this campaign is running, because there's a lot happening, and you know it's kind of important to have these conversations. I'm Drew Brown, uh, here with Andy Bullman and Luke Quinton uh, and Alicia Mori, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you again real soon. Mm -hmm.